Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific, Mikoroi Hawkins. Coming up... Skipjack is in a very good position right now to move to a harvest strategy system. Pacific countries are urged to modernise their tuna fishery management. Also, a war of words has erupted in Papua New Guinea's autonomous region of Bougainville over appointments to the executive. The group's upset that two northern MPs lost their portfolios while a woman MP was appointed. And Samoan celebrate the news that their iconic Mailima beer will continue to be produced locally. It's an absolute honour for you know our family to be um, granted the opportunity to you know produce our local beer. Pacific Island countries are being urged to further modernise the management of the world's largest tuna fishery to ensure its long-term sustainability. This was raised during the Western and Central Pacific Fisheries Commission's first science management dialogue, which started last Friday and finished on Monday. P. Charitable Trust's International Fisheries Officer, Glenn Holmes, says one of the main agenda items for managers, scientists and stakeholders was discussing outstanding aspects of the work to develop the skipjack harvest strategy, which have agreed on and implemented this year, would be a significant step towards a less political and more science-driven management strategy. Glenn Holmes joins me now. Kia ora, Glenn. I'll get you to explain a bit more about the harvest strategy in a second. But first of all, what were some of the main outcomes of the meeting? The key takeaways, uh, I think, from our perspective, is the progress that's been made um, in having this science managers dialogue meeting. The meeting has been a recommendation for a number of years, and it's finally managed to happen. And the the fact that some decisions were made in a in a two day virtual meeting um, that haven't been able to be made in the previous four years that it was recommended um, is a good thing. It's it's a it's progress. It's definitely progress. Skipjack is in a very good position right now to move to a harvest strategy system which is fantastic news it's not there yet there's still going to be some negotiations between all the various parties but it's in from a science perspective it's ready to go pretty much there is very little additional science that's required it's now down to the managers to to make a decision on what what they want the the stock management to look like so what right. are the what priorities outweigh other priorities and that sort of thing and and what rules do they want to agree on on how it should be managed into the future through a harvest strategy system? Yeah, I might just get you to break down the system for us and maybe just compare it to to what's already existent or um, if there's any comparisons worldwide that would be relevant. The the simplest way to break it down is that it's proactive management as opposed to reactive management. the The current status quo system is. Managers will be given a report on the status of a stock. They will then negotiate how they should respond to that status, whether there should be any increases in catches allowed or whether there should be cuts in catches or changes in the way it's managed. And, and that's a that can be a very long, drawn-out, highly contentious discussion to have. Um, so the harbour strategies management approach is where managers come to an agreement over how to react to a stock status, no matter what that status is in the future. So it's basically like um, looking up a table. The stock status comes in as X and you go, all right, we look up X on the table. Oh, there's the management reaction that we have agreed to do and it's done. So 
it has an enormous impact on the amount of negotiations that are required. It has an enormous impact on the time that takes to, to agree if an agreement can be made um, because all those systems are already pre-agreed and in place and ready to go. So that's why, that's why it's often described as a, a proactive approach. Well, the Pacific's always been really proud when it comes to the skipjack tuna fishery about, you know, resource owners managing the fishery and the vessel day scheme and all of this kind of stuff. How does this tie into that without need to change? Nope, it shouldn't mess with it at all. Um, they should integrate perfectly together. There's no reason for one to interrupt the other. Um, you are correct. The, the Pacific is very proud of the way it manages its, its particularly its tropical tunas. It, it's often promoted the fact that it's the only um, region in the world where they're all in, quote, in the green zone. They're all in a, in a healthy position. And they've got every right to, to be happy about that status. The benefit of going to a harbour strategy system where you have a management procedure pre-agreed and in place is that should that status change, there's no need for long protracted, pol highly political negotiations to determine on what's the best way to manage it. There's already a pre-agreed framework in place. And so moving to this system actually provides more confidence that the stocks will stay in a sustainable position into the future than the status quo. Right. And, and so just let me get my head around this. So while the stocks are healthy, but from the management structure perspective, the Pacific is behind some other fisheries. Is that right? It, yeah, that in some cases, yes. So in other RFMOs, in other tuna RFMOs, there are already some management procedures in place for some stocks. Um, by no means is this in place everywhere else in the world. There are uh, every other region in the world um, is bringing this system in. Um, the only tuna RFMO that's had it in place for an extended period of time is CCSBT. So Southern Bluefin Tuna have had a management procedure in place now for over a decade, I believe, or thereabouts. Um, and it's highly effective. It's managed to rebuild that stock to a state to um, its target level quicker than it had hoped to. It's evidence that it works in a very good way. Um, the Indian Ocean earlier this year agreed to manage its big eye stock via a management procedure, a harvest strategy system. Um, management procedure and harvest strategies are kind of like an interchangeable term. So, you know, if I chop and change between the two, I'm really talking about essentially the same thing. There is, uh, in the Atlantic, there has been an, a, an agreement to move um, some of its stocks into a harvest strategy system. And so the Pacific is kind of the last one to actually take that step into agreeing to a management procedure for for any of its stock. So it, it, even though it was actually one of the ones that started down that road first, it's taken, it's it's sort of, it's dragged its feet a little bit over the last few years. And COVID has played a role in that. And there's no argument, but it, that's not the only reason. And and how does Pew fit into all of this? And why why is it that you guys are, are, are promoting or helping to, to facilitate this, I guess? So we first started um advocating for a shift to the harvest strategy system many many years ago because we saw that as um, the best way to manage stocks sustainably into the future um, our our view at the time was that the status quo management was highly susceptible to political influence which did not always follow scientific advice and the risk when you don't follow the scientific advice is that the sustainability um, suffers so to move to a harvest strategy system, which is must, much less susceptible 
susceptible to political influence, is much more scientific in its um, response, in its management response. It, it's grounded much more in, in science and understanding of the dynamics of the stock. Um, it, it, in our view, is the most appropriate way to manage forward with confidence that you're not going to drive the stock into a, an unsustainable position. And so we have advocated strongly for Harvest Strategies approach globally. Um, we've helped in capacity building over the last um, six to eight years. We have um, worked as much as we can with individual members, with RFMO secretariats to and sub-regional organizations like FFA and PNA to, to help uh, socialize the Harvest Strategies process and help help people understand how it works and, and help that capacity building up to make people more comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this is for skipjack. Is it is it going to be applicable to other species? Correct me if I'm wrong. This is we're just talking about skipjack here for this, right? Uh, I'm talking generally. So ideally, all stocks would be managed under this type of management arrangement. The skipjack in the Pacific is the one that is closest to being ready to be adopted by the WCPFC. There is a lot of science that underpins the Harvest Strategies system, um, and that takes a lot of work. There's a, there is a lot of complicated modeling um, that, that has to be developed. And at the moment, Skipjack is the stock in the Pacific where that work has all essentially been done. The other stocks, that work is ongoing. So there is development in, in place for Yellowfin, for Big Eye, for Albacore. Um, that's all in train, but it's not at the same level of maturity as it is for Skipjack. You did mention something about a deadline. Um, what, what, is, what is the deadline and, and why is that a concern? Uh, so the work plan for the Pacific, um, for the WCPFC, has uh, it's scheduled for a skipjack management procedure to be adopted this year. Um, similarly for South Pacific Albacore, that's scheduled to be adopted this year. Unfortunately for Albacore, the, the science side of, of the, 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 the harvest strategy system isn't quite ready yet there's still a little bit of work that needs to be done. They had a, a slight setback um, in, in the models, and so they've had to go back and do a little bit more work on it. So that, unfortunately, won't meet this year's deadline and will have to be delayed. Skipjack, however, is still ready um, from the science side. It's now the managers up to the managers to, to have ongoing dialogue with the scientists to understand the various options on the table and make a decision over which option to go for. So there are the meeting that we had earlier at the end of last week and beginning of this week, the science managers dialogue meeting did manage to cut down the options a little bit, but there are still, I think, five options on the table. Um, and so there will need to be a decision made which of those five management procedures is the one that, that everybody is happy with going forward. And so there will still be some negotiation to happen. Um, and I'm hopeful that that negotiation will come to a satisfactory conclusion um, before the end of this year's commission meeting, and then a management procedure will be agreed. Um, I'm also hopeful that that management procedure, once it's agreed, will also be implemented straight away and not delayed. There is a, a proposal from some members to delay implementation, which means they would agree on the management procedure, but they wouldn't be bound by it. In other words, they look at what the management procedure says they should do, and then just look, go through this, the standard political negotiations that they've done up to date. 
um, it's so to maintain the status quo management for another six years is the proposal that's currently um, been put forward by some members. That I think is um, unnecessarily delaying sustainable management. It, it puts more risk that the stock could fall victim to uh, a political agenda and not a science-based one. A war of words has erupted in Papua New Guinea's autonomous region of Bougainville over appointments to the executive. A group calling itself the Northern Bloc has produced a petition threatening to stop backing the push for independence and President Ishmael Toruama. RNZ Pacific senior journalist Don Wiseman has been following developments in Bougainville and he filed this report. The group's upset that two Northern MPs lost their portfolios while a woman MP was appointed. The group, which in its petition to the government claims to have backing across the 14 North Bougainville constituencies and to be endorsed by the Chiefs and Council of Elders, says Mr Toruama may have acted unconstitutionally by not consulting with MPs before appointments and they accused him of bringing a dictatorial style to government. The petition reads in part... In the case of two senior ministers recently decommissioned... We, the people of North Bougainville, understand there was never a consultation between the Northern Bloc members and the President and his Cabinet. Which part of the Constitution did the President apply in doing so? They attacked the appointment of Amanda Masonal, the Central Bougainville Women's MP, as the Minister of Lands and Physical Planning, saying that that decision should only come after consultation with the other women MPs. They also accused Ms Masono of being implicated in serious marital issues, calling this a slap in the face for Northern women. The petitioners went on to say that the people of North Bougainville may not support the final negotiations for the realisation of Bougainville's dreams of independence. And they threatened to withdraw backing to Mr Toruama on other matters. But the President has been scathing in his response. He says, As a courtesy, I can consult the committees on the appointments and dismissal of my ministers, but ultimately, as President, I have the final say in the appointment and dismissal of any member of the BEC appointed through these arrangements. On the criticism of Ms Masono's appointment and comments about her private life, he said, It is saddening to think that in this day and age of enlightenment and progressive thinking, we still harbour archaic chauvinists. The petition incorrectly implies that the process of selecting any women for cabinet posts would depend on the recommendation process. Mr Toruama says these allegations are unfounded. He says if the people of North Bougainville, as well as the rest of the region, deem my leadership unsatisfactory, then it is your prerogative not to return me to office through the legal process of an election. However, I will not stand aside and be accused by selfish leaders who lack maturity and intellect of promoting dictatorial leadership and breaching the constitution of Bougainville. My reputation speaks for itself as a former combatant and peacebuilder. To act in such a manner would be to go against everything I believe and stand for as president of Bougainville. The president says he wants to assure the people of Bougainville that he has the full support of the northern bloc of leaders as well as the Bougainville Executive Council. Wailima Beer is staying in Samoa. The beer's owner, Paradise Beverages, has announced that it has granted production rights to local producers and business couple Saleh Moa Charlie Vai and Beatrice On. The news has been welcomed with jubilation by Samoans all over the world who protested Paradise Beverages' announcement two months ago that they were planning to relocate the production of the iconic Samoan beer to Fiji. 
ANZ Pacific's Finau Funua spoke with Vailima's new producer, Saleh Moa Charlie Vai. How does it feel to be the, the owner of Vailima Beer, uh, the producer of, of Vailima Beer? Well, well, firstly, it's an absolute honor for you know our family to be um, granted the opportunity to you know produce our local beer. You know, um, as you all know, you know Vailima has been an iconic brand for our country uh, over the years. You know, apart from our Manusa Mon Aggie Grace, Vailima is one of our oldest um, brands that have been around. So, um, given the, being given the opportunity from CCVP is a is a really it's a huge blessing for our family to be able to continue the legacy of this beer. And could you explain how this all came about? Because originally it was it was supposed to, they were going to move the the production to Fiji. Well, you know, um, just to give a brief history of it, um, there have been over the years um, consultations and um, uh, possibility of um, brand purchase or, the, or the, to the third party or to the public. And then I think when CCEP made the announcement that after exhausting all these other negotiations with other parties, including ourselves, earlier, which was about a year ago or two years ago, um, they made the announcement to take to Fiji. And um, I'm sure, like every other one, it was really sad news for us. Um, and then that um, prompted CCEP and ourselves and I think other parties as well to put in um, <clears throat> more or less some um, bids or submissions as to the possibility of having the brand stay. Um, you know, thanks to God, um, you know, um, they granted us the opportunity, and um, you see the beer that our Valima beer stay in Samoa. Could you explain the importance of this keeping this brand in Samoa? Well, it's um, it's extremely important, like not only from our perspective, but you know, uh, most Samoans or all Samoans share the same sentiment, the same passion for it. Um, we saw the Prime Minister, and gave her the announcement of the uh, of the beer staying, and um, the government are really excited as well to see that it's going to remain. In Samoa, so um, it's extremely important. It's uh, national identity. It's got um, a lot of value in terms of, uh, of our country, in terms of tourism, in terms of representation and identity. So um, for us, like I said before, it's a, it's a privilege that we were given the opportunity to continue this legacy. That brings us to the end of Pacific Waves for today. Remember, you can download us free to your device from Spotify, iHeart or Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Don't fast, so if you're...